Okay, let us stand to our feet in honor of God's word. We're going to be reading out of the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Joshua 1, 1 through 9. And this is a, a, a very well-known scripture. If you've grown up in the gospel, if you've been in church, you've, you've heard this preached a lot. And I, it's, a, it's a particular scripture that I, that I really, really like to go back and read. This is one of those scriptures that has lifted me up when I've been going through a difficult time. And uh, this year is, has been, has been a, a difficult year for a lot of people. I remember a year ago, we were probably welcoming, ushering in 2020 with all these hopes and all these dreams and all of these things that we wanted to get. And now that we're here looking back, you know, they say that, that hindsight is always 2020. Looking back at, 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 at this year, maybe we didn't get what we wanted, but hopefully we learned to appreciate what we do have. Maybe it gave us a different perspective. You know, it's a year full of difficulties, full of, full of changes, things, all these unexpected things. It's, it's this major transition from the way our society works, from the way we, we, we greet each other, from the way we, we behave to the way that we're, we're celebrating holidays, maybe not with as many family as we used to before, social distancing, essential workers, all of these new things have come up in our lingo that we're not necessarily part of it a year ago. And Elijah kind of stole most of my sermon today. I think we're in the same channel, right? So the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. we're, We're walking through a very difficult time. And I don't know, now that 2021's rolling around. I don't know about you, but before I sign up for it, I want to read all the fine print, right? I don't want to just scroll down to agree and just just move, move on with it. I want to see what's up. And we're looking at a second wave of the pandemic. We're looking at all of these things. We, we don't know what, there's a lot of uncertainty ahead. And because we've been through such a difficult time, it, it might look very, very um, grim. It might look very, very... Uh, disheartening the future for ourselves, for our kids, for our day-to-day living. Is it ever going to go back to normal, we might be asking. Well, this passage of Scripture historically was was a massive transition for the people of God. They had been enslaved for 400 years under the Egyptians. They had now been free, and they've been free, and they've been roaming the desert for 40 years. And the only leader that they known that unified them and brought them and led them was Moses. Well, Moses is now dead. And there's a change in management. So now Joshua is being put in charge. And they're about to enter the promised land. And it's not just going to be something that they're going to get. It's not just something that they're going to extend their hand and get. There has to be a lot of work done. They need to actually literally go into battle with professional armies against fortified cities um, where there's giants and there's all these things. Yes, all the promises of God are there. Remember, 40 years earlier, they didn't go in because they were afraid of what they saw. Everything God said was there, but also there were obstacles along the way. So we might be looking at 2021 with the same perspective at the people of God as they were standing at the border looking at what God had for them, uncertainty, fear, doubt, all of these things. But listen, I, I love this, pa- this passage of Scripture because God's very specific about what to do 
in such situations. And as we look at 2021 and we enter 2021 this week, I pray that these words resound in your heart for the rest of the year. Joshua 1.1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every, pea, every place where you set your foot, as I promised, Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates, all, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all these days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And this is the word of the Lord. Father God, I thank you for your word. I pray that it is your Holy Spirit that manifests in this place, Father. It's not my mere understanding or regurgitation of, of the study, Father, but it is a demonstration of your Spirit's power, Father, a transformation of the hearts and the minds of your people here. Have your way, my Lord, in your holy name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The greatest challenge that any human can possibly undertake or or, or face is uncertainty. Going into uncharted territory. We as humans are creatures of habit. We like to do things the same way. For example, when you go to the mall, you like to park around the same area. And as a matter of fact, when you come to church, you have your seat, right? And if somebody's sitting in your seat, you try to be nice about it, but you're still bothered by it. I know that. I, I, I've observed you guys. As a therapist, I do that. I look at what people's behavior, right? Because we're creatures of habit. We like to do things the same way because that brings us comfort. But what happens when we have to do something we've never done before or go somewhere we've never been to? That throws people for a loop. I tell you, the majority of the clients that I, that I see this year that I, during this pandemic, a lot of it has to do anxiety, Number one, depression, another one, substance use, things like that. All of those, the pre anxiety, depression, substance use, suicide, all of those things went up 30%, measuring from March all the way to about August. It probably went higher than that. Why? Because this whole pandemic thing threw everybody for a loop. It disrupted our flow. It disrupted our structure. It disrupted the way we do things. And what's happening here, they're about to enter they were used to being in the desert. 
They were used to having the manna. They were used to having the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire leading them wherever they went. They were about, now, they were about to enter that land that was promised to Abraham centuries before. How many know that we have a God who keeps his word in his time? So they're about to enter uncharted territory under new management. Now, Joshua was the aide of Moses. He was, he was his butler, basically. He was the one that took care of Moses and did everything for Moses. All of a sudden, Moses is gone. Now he gets promoted to being in charge of the entire, the entire nation. Interesting how we first have to learn to follow before we need to learn how to lead. And this is exactly what's happening here. Uncharted territory. People were scared. Joshua, the leader, was scared. He didn't know if he was going to be able to fill those shoes, or I should say those sandals. They were big sandals. They were, they were, Moses was, was revered, and still to this day, as one of the greatest leaders of the Israelite people. And here now we have Joshua feeling that he probably didn't have, didn't, wasn't able to cut the mustard. And God is encouraging him. God is telling him, you know what? You can do it. You got this. You got this. And he's giving him this motivational speech that I want to address. But see, there's other places where we see in Scripture is uncertainty, facing uncertainty, facing difficult times. Even when Jesus was walking with the disciples. There's a time where um, Lazarus got sick. He got so sick that, that he eventually died. His sisters um, communicated with Jesus and told them, you know, your, your friend Lazarus is very sick. And uh, Jesus, you know, waits a little bit longer. And then he decides to go over to where Lazarus was. But the reason why they weren't, they weren't in Judea in that area is because re just a few weeks before, they tried to stone Jesus. So they had fled. They had moved away from that area. So listen to this. John eleven six. So when they heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? See what, what they're saying? They're concerned. Just a week ago, they, that's a few weeks ago, they tried to kill you, Jesus. Why would you want to go back there? It's not safe. It doesn't make sense. Why do you want to go back? Why do you want to go and put yourself at risk? I'm not telling you to put yourself at risk. But again, they were looking at territory that didn't look very promising. They were looking at something that, that, that was dangerous. They were afraid. Jesus answered, look at this. Jesus answered, verse 9, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he has said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. How many know what he was referring to? Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, 
He was referring that he had actually passed away. I love this. I, I, I actually was conducting a, a funeral yesterday. And I, I love how scripture, especially in the New Testament, talks about death as, as sleep. Because you know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, it's a temporary thing. Just like when we sleep, we go to sleep, we're inactive for a while, and then we wake up. So I love here. Jesus is addressing, he's fallen asleep. He's passed away. He has, he, he, later he clarifies it. And I'm going to wake him up. He's prophesying something that's happening. He's aware of something that's happening at a different place, at a different geographical location. But I love what he tells them. Why do you want to go back, Jesus? The prospects look really, really bad. Jesus says, aren't there 12 hours in a day? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they have the light of this world. It is those that walk during the night who stumble because they don't have the light of day. This is something that always threw me for a loop until I started, I, I sat down and started meditating on this. Jesus was talking about, he was talking about his omniscience. Yeah, from a human perspective, you don't understand what's going to happen next. That uncertainty, that anxiety of what's going to happen. I know that in the past this happened, so we take the past and we project it to the future. Because that's a way of kind of soothing, us, uh, soothing ourselves and trying to predict what's going to happen. But how many of you know that we cannot predict or control the future? I got a couple of amens. One of the reasons why people become uh, anxious or they suffer from anxiety is because they're trying to control the future. Think about that. What can you do about the future? You can prepare for it, but there's not much you can do after that. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. And then says, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Jesus is saying, don't try to control the future. Leave that to me. So seek me first. He's saying, yes, from your perspective, it looks really dark. We might get killed, all of this stuff. But you know what? I'm walking with you, and I'm telling you, I have the light. I understand what's happening. I know the past. I know the future. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know all things. I have the light. So I'm telling you, we're going to go, and I'm going to go wake him up. Sometimes for us, things might look dark. 2021 might look scary. But for God, it doesn't look that way. And even in, in, in the Psalms, this, is, this, is, this permeates Scripture. It permeates Scripture. Sometimes there's this understanding, misunderstanding, I should say, of, of, of walking with God and serving God. And saying that because we serve God, we're never going to encounter difficulties. And, and that couldn't be further from the truth. You are going to encounter difficulties. Jesus says, in this world you will encounter difficulties. But be of good comfort or be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. In other words, we are going to go through difficulties. As a matter of fact, not so much. Not, many times we're going to go through difficulties because we are serving God. Because people won't like that. They persecute you. That's what's going to happen. But you won't go through it alone. See? How many of you ever felt alone? See, my daughter is, is staying in California right now. And uh, all, of her, all of her roommates, she's, she's with five other girls. She's living in this house. 
And lo and behold, every single one of them had to go to their, to their house. Some of them are from different areas there throughout the, the nations, and there's even one international student there. And uh, even, she says, well, I'm going to stay with the international student. Well, lo and behold, she got a love offering, and she actually flew uh, away to her, home, to, to her hometown. So my daughter's by herself. And she's like, Dad, I'm afraid. I'm this. I'm alone. I feel so alone. I'm like, you're not alone. You're not alone. So I started working with her. So I'm like, tell her, listen, babe, people pay me to talk to, you, to them about this. So let's, let's, let's talk. So I told her, look, let's look at, let's make a list of the people that you know, that you love, that are living there. Well, I just, yeah, but I don't want to go, and I don't want to do this, and I, and I, I don't want to impose. And I'm like, okay, so then, then you'll be alone because you choose to be alone. But sometimes the loneliness can really get people. In therapy, I've seen how people are, what people are willing to do to not be lonely. But God is always with us. And think about this. God is always with us. And sometimes we're going to go from doing great to doing not so great. And, and, and Elijah stole this. He actually plagiarized this from my sermon. I'm just kidding, Elijah. Um, from Psalm 23. You're familiar with Psalm 23, right? I love the way it starts. And maybe some of you have heard me say this before. I love the way it starts. The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leaves me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. How many of you love all of that stuff? That sounds awesome, right? takes me to this quiet waters and to the green pastures and, you know, the, the tamales, you know, that are non-fattening and all that great stuff, right? All those good things that God does. And I wish Psalm 23 stopped right there. Because the next verse is not so cool. Then it says this. See all the green pastures, all that great stuff. And then comes uncertainty. Then comes fear. Then comes doubt. Then comes the darkness. Even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where is your comfort? What brings you comfort? If you were here last week and you heard me preach about this, if we let the things of this world be our comfort, be careful. Be very careful. You're about to be let down and you're about to go into crisis because those things that we hold dear to, that we allow the created things to bring us comfort, the minute those things are threatened, our comfort goes out the window. But if God is our comfort, no matter what happens, God's not going anywhere. Amen? He's not changing. He's not moving. He's not running away. He will never forsake you. Right? So... Even though I walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, I know that even though things don't look good, God, I know you're right there. Even though it doesn't make sense, God, I know you're right there. I want to talk about God with you. See, I, I, I've... I've spoken to several people who have had the very, very painful experience of losing a loved one recently. And uh, 
to speaking to that devastation and seeing the devastation that they experience when this loved person ceases to be. And having to, to try to bring some words of comfort to, to try to lift up the spirits. But how many of you know that outside of Scripture, there's really nothing we can say or do that really will bring comfort? When, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he's speaking things that don't make sense, you need to eat my flesh, you need to drink my blood in order to really, uh, you know, have a covenant with me. And many starts, they, they're not understanding because they're not thinking of the spiritual aspect of what Jesus is saying. They're thinking of the physical aspect. So they're thinking Jesus is promoting cannibalism. So they start abandoning him. And he tells his disciples, are you going to leave me too? I love the answer that they give him. Where will we go? Only you have words of eternal life. Think about this. When we consider eternity, when we consider the gift of eternity, then imagine any loss, any difficulty we face in this world. Then it basically becomes superfluous. Because if Jesus is addressing death asleep, something temporary, something that he came to do in the cross, then it gives us hope. No matter what happened, if, even if we lose, lose a loved one, we still have this hope that no one else can give us, that nothing else can give us. It's the hope of eternity, that, that blessed hope that we have with Christ. Amen? Look at what, what God tells Joshua. He's telling him, you're going to go to war. You're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to make sacrifices, Joshua. But look at what he says. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Imagine if God was telling that to you. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. You see what God is declaring? He's saying, you will make it happen because I will make it happen through you. Nothing will be impossible to you because of me. Does that make sense? How many of you have received Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior? Okay. If you have, then there's someone living inside of you. And that is the fullness of our God. It is the Holy Spirit. He says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He never indwelt in Moses. He was with Moses. He lives in us. Think about that. So the way he was with Moses, that, trans, that transfers to us. He is in us. He is with us. He is living in us. The minute we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore their ancestors to give them. What should we do in 2020? How should we approach 2020? Knowing that God is with us. How many of you read the promises of Scripture? You know, I will always leave you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, you are the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are more than conquerors. How many of you read those? How many of you believe that? Okay. 
I love the, the latter part of Psalm 23. When it says, God being with us. Of how when God is with us, everything is possible. There's no limitations to anything unless we start putting limitations. We are the limitations sometimes. Our faith, our mind, our doubt, those are the limitations that exist. Because with God, there are no such things. Psalm 23, 5 says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Think about that. Imagine that. I want you to get a picture in your head. Surrounded by your enemies who want to destroy you. And in the midst of this, what is he doing? He prepares a table before you. I will, look, like, you can't mess with him. Because I'm tending on him. He is my son. He's my daughter. She's my daughter. I am right here. Yeah? You might be surrounding us. You might have all this ill intent. But guess what? I got this. You cannot approach. You cannot touch them. You anoint my head with oil. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See that hope? That hope that never goes away? With God, all things are possible. Again, doesn't mean the enemies aren't going to be there. Doesn't mean the weapon's not going to be forged against you or even wielded against you. It might. It just won't prosper. And, and this, this, this is all over Scripture. I just want to give you, I, I, you know, I love talking to you about what it is to walk with God and what God is with us. Because that should bring peace. That should bring, your level of anxiety should start coming down. Your self-worth should start going up. Because if the creator of heaven and earth is with us, things change. Isaiah 43, one says this, but now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, it will be, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. If you look at the stories in Daniel, if you look at the stories in Exodus, if you look at the stories in in, in in Joshua, you see how the waters parted. You see how the fire did not affect Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The situation, you will be immune to the situation. God is with us. God is with you. Again, I'm not telling you to go take risks when it comes to the pandemic or when it comes to anything. But even if you get in a situation, God is going to be with you. Amen? Listen. When God is with us, there's nothing but good that comes out of that. Even though momentarily it may not make sense. Even though what the result is not what we were intending it to be. But he knows better than we do. Look at what Romans, and, and this is another one that I go to whenever I uh, need a, a, a pick-me-up. Whenever I'm going through, I feel down and I'm going through a difficult time. This is where I go to. Because sometimes we feel that, that God has, the, the minute things don't go the way we want them, the, when, the minute things don't go the way we expected them to go, we start assuming that God abandoned us. And we see it in Scripture too. You know, last week I read from, from Gideon, right? We talked, Judges chapter 6. You know, when he talks about like, rise up mighty warrior. He says like, what are you talking about? Mighty warrior. 
Whatever happened to that God that delivered us from, from, from Egypt? You know, whatever happened to all of those miracles that we hear from those people of old? You know, whatever happened to all of that? God has turned his back on us. God has forgotten about us. And, and, and I've talked to people who even say, God must not exist because of all of these things that are happening. That's the conclusion that they arrive. Because things are not going their way, they arrive at the conclusion that God must have gone somewhere else. Listen, but when God is with us, you know, even in the bad things, listen, here is Paul writing to the Roman church, a church that is being tremendously persecuted by both the Roman government and the Jews. These people are being decimated. They're being killed in the Circus Maximus. They're actually being made a spectacle of them. They're being crucified. They're being lit, uh, you know, on fire. They're being lit on fire in the gardens of, of Nero. And this is what Paul is writing to these people who are being so heavily persecuted. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of that is in Romans chapter 8. I hope I injected some hope into you as you look at 2021, knowing that God is going to be with us. God is with us. His blessing is with us. His, his, and as long as he's with us, everything else is going to be okay. Is it going to be the way we want it to be? Probably not. It's going to be the way he wants it to be, but he's the one who is sovereign. But we need to understand that he is almighty, he's all-powerful, and he's in control. So, we're facing uncharted territory, one. Two, we know that God is with us. And hopefully, what, I, what, I, what I've conveyed to you is that God loves us unconditionally. How many of you know that? He loves us unconditionally. You know, <clears throat> I, 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 I've said it many times, sometimes my daughter calls me, right, and um, she's getting a taste of, of, of reality. And she's living in a different state, on her own, you know, getting her schooling done and everything. But she's beginning to get a taste of adulthood. You know? How many of you ever had that, that, that rude awakening when you think, oh, yes, I'm going to be an adult. I'm going to have all of this freedoms, all of these things. And then along with freedom comes 
the R word, responsibility, right? Oh, dad, what, hap- what happened, baby? It's because these people from the insurance took my money away. Yeah, that's going to happen every month, baby. I forgot. I'm like, well, get used to it. At the end of the month or at the beginning of the month, they're going to take your money out. You put a direct deposit so you won't lapse on your insurance so I don't have to buy you another car. But, you know, it's very important that you make sure that you're, that you're, you're on top of that. That's Welcome to adulthood, baby girl. Of course, you know, I said that tongue-in-cheek, but as she's telling me this and she's, she's explaining to me how beautiful this, this particular pair of pants that she saw, this pair of shoes that she saw, and she's trying to sell me the idea of the importance of having this pair of shoes as I'm entertaining and I'm hearing the blah, 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 kind of like the adults in, in Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. Guess what I'm doing as she's telling me this? I'm transferring the money over. I spoil her rotten. Sorry. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Because I love her. I love her. Absolutely love her. How much more? See, Jesus tells his disciples, if you know, if you who are evil, is talking to us, us men, is you who are evil know how to give good gifts, imagine how much more your Father in heaven will give you. He loves us unconditionally. Now, this is where I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in your theology. Because we don't like to hear this part. He loves us unconditionally. But he will not walk with us unconditionally. He will not be for us unconditionally. There's things that we need to do. There's things that we need to do to be walking with him because he's going to walk. Remember that pillar of cloud or fire? Start moving. What do the people need to do? Pick up everything and follow. They could decide to, you know what? I don't like the way he's going. I'm just going to stay here. What happens to the presence of God amongst the camp? Gone. What happened every single time they went to face an enemy and they were all consecrated to God, following the, the decrees of God, they had victory after victory after victory. They were unstoppable. But what happened the minute they would start moving away from God? They would fail every single time. Please listen to me. Many of you are already tuning me out. Some of you are changing the channel over there if you're live streaming. Because, you see, we love to hear the promises of God. And we like to say they apply to me. But what are we doing to stay in the path and to be walking alongside God? See, there's a famous quote by Abraham Lincoln that they asked him, do you think God is with us? Do you think God's on our side? And Abraham Lincoln said this, I, I, don't, I think that's irrelevant course I'm, I'm paraphrasing at this point what's more important is are we on the side of God I love how he flipped that perspective I, I hope that we are on his side because he's always right what perspective are we taking I hope God is on my side see there's that me church right me 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 no where is God and am I lining up with him Or am I expecting God to line up with me? Or even asking, well, meet me in the middle, God. 
Doesn't work that way. God loves us unconditionally, but he will not walk with us unconditionally. He will walk his way. It's up to us whether we walk with him or not. See, we want the blessings. We want all of those great things. We want the, the promised land. We want all of these things that we've been talking about that we're so used to hearing and so used to thinking about and so used to uh, reciting and singing about. What are we doing? How are we keeping the end of the deal here? Because a covenant has two ways. Imagine the covenant of marriage, imagine. And one of, the, one of the spouses starts cheating. What happens to that covenant? It's broken. Because one of the parties is not upholding their, what they promised they would do, they were going to do. Right? Same thing. And, and if you look at the Old Testament, it is rife with examples of an unfaithful spouse. Because he's always talking about his people like, you guys keep turning your back on me. You guys keep turning away from me. Listen, if we're going to face 2021 and do well and be successful and be prosperous, there's some things that you and I need to know. We know that God loves us. We know that we're facing a very, very iffy time. Wouldn't it be wise for us to line up with God and be on his side and follow him? Listen to what he tells them. And then I want to talk about obedience. Say obedience to your neighbor. And everybody disobeyed. All right, see, there you go. I'm glad I'm preaching on this. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. So what are you thinking? Be strong and courageous. Yes, I will not be afraid of the enemy. I will not be afraid of the armies. I will not be afraid of all of those things. I will not be afraid. Look at the context of what he's saying. Because we can think of being strong and courageous. You know, be strong. Okay, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be facing my enemies, right? I'm going to be strong and courageous. Look at the context. I've said it many times before. A text, I thought a context becomes a pretext. Look at the context of what God is saying here. Be strong and courageous, and then immediately he follows it with this. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. What is the courage and the strength about? Facing the enemies? Facing himself in relationship to God. Be strong and courageous to do what? To obey my law. Lord Jesus, they went quiet. I'm going to continue to preach anyway. Be strong and courageous. He says, do not deviate to the left or to the right. Follow all the law my prophet Moses, my son, my loved Moses, my servant Moses gave you. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Why does he tell him to keep meditating on the word of God? Why does he tell him to keep reciting it? 
just for the sake of being able to memorize it and, and, and you know, win all the, you know, Sunday school little contests and stuff like that, the, the Bible quizzing. No, no, no. He doesn't. Do not let this book depart. Meditate on it day and night. Recite it. Keep it in your mouth. Why? So that you may obey everything that's written in it. So that you may do everything. Know it. Learn it. Understand it. You know what? If you get stopped by the police because you ran a red light and you told the officer, you know, I didn't know I was supposed to stop. What's he going to tell you? Exactly. You know. There's a saying, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Right? Where can you find the Bible here? See, if we were in China, it's kind of hard to find Bibles and things like that. But even they know the word by heart. They know it. They memorize it. That's the only way to sometimes have access to Scripture is to memorize it. Here, you can go to the hotel and get a Gideon. You know, they're from the, from the little drawer. You can find it anywhere. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. He tells them. So that you can do everything written in them. Then he says this. Then you will be what? Say it with me. Then you will be prosperous and what? You will be. How many want a prosperous Feliz Navidad y prospero Año Nuevo, right? Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. How many want to be, have a prosperous New Year? How many of you want success in 2021? Okay, a few of you do. Okay. Whew, hope. <laughs> How do we go after success? How do we go after prosperity? Think of, think of the typical American person, the typical American family. How do we go after success and prosperity? Work hard. Study hard. Save. Right? Which all of these are good things to have, right? Start your own business. Whatever. Those, things are, those things are important. I, I absolutely get it. But those things are not guaranteed. How many businesses failed in 2020? How many lost value in your stock, in your savings account? You see what I'm talking about? So even our nest egg is not all that safe. But God is here telling, God is telling Joshua, do these things and you will get this. You have a, you have a, a, a cause and effect. Obey everything in the law. Follow it to the T. Do not deviate and you will be successful. And then he repeats it again. Meditate on it day and night so that you might do everything that is written on it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. How to succeed in 2021? Let's obey God. Let's obey God for a change. Amen. It's, it's very easy to follow our whims and to follow our, our, our desires and to follow our own sense of direction, which sometimes is very erroneous. But follow God. Listen to him. It's written right here. He's guaranteeing prosperity and success. But the only key to that is what? Keep your side of the deal. Obey. How important is this obedience in Scripture? Extremely important. You know there was a king who actually lost his kingdom because of disobedience? That was the first king. His name was Saul. 
He was chosen amongst the Benjamites, and he felt, he, he had low self-esteem, by the way. He had very low self-esteem. You know, when they were going to inaugurate him as king, he was hiding away because he was, felt that he wasn't good enough. And as a matter of fact, because he felt he wasn't good enough, he tried to control everything. Because he didn't even believe God. How do I know that? Guess who chose him as king? God. God determined that he would be the first king. But how many of you know that sometimes we are so blinded by our own desires and our own insecurities that we don't even believe God? And he didn't believe God, so because he didn't believe God, he tried to control everything. And in controlling everything, he disobeyed God over and over and over until God says, I am done with you. And we see in 1 Samuel chapter 5, here Samuel comes and rebukes the disobedience of the king. And this is what he says. Listen. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Church, I, I cannot emphasize enough obedience in Scripture. How many, of you, how many of you ever received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I already asked that earlier today. How many as your Lord and Savior? Okay. The Savior part we all get, right? What he did on the cross for you and me, and he, he pardoned and he, he washed away our sins, right? That's the Savior part. But how many of you understand the Lord part? He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all, right? So we have to recognize his position. We have to recognize his authority. We have to recognize that because the minute we start disobeying God, then we're basically throwing it all away. We're saying, God, I don't trust you. God, what you have is not good enough. I have a better plan than you do. Right? How many of you remember the story of Noah? Right? Remember the story of Noah, and he gives them very specific directions for constructing the ark. So many cubits high, so many cubits long, so many cubits wide. And you're going to use this type of wood. You're going to put pitch on both sides of it. You're going to have middle, lower, and upper decks. And you're going to have a window this size. And you're going to have all of this stuff. It's very specific directions. Get, now, in a vessel that's going to be navigating through the water, there's some very important things that are missing in the blueprints. Anybody realize what's missing? There's no helm. There's no rudder. I wonder why. There's no helm or rudder. In other words, Noah wasn't sitting around there, you know, okay, moving all ahead full, you know, full starboard or whatever. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. Guess who was doing the driving? I believe he wrote the song, Jesus, take the, Jehovah, take the wheel, right? That was the, that was the old, that's the Hebrew version. Literally, he, he had no control over it. Who had control? God. And what did he do? He trusted himself, his family, all of those animals to the hands of God. Are we willing to do the same thing? Are we willing to do the same thing? 
Obedience is key, absolute key. If you see something that is mentioned in Scripture, how many of you know that that's important? Okay, these people don't believe it. How many of you believe that if it's mentioned in Scripture, it's important? Okay, cool. What if they mention the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over? It's very important. What if it mentions over and over and over and over? I'm just kidding. Have you ever experienced deja vu? Have you ever experienced deja vu? <laughs> There's a passage in Scripture in John chapter 14 where Jesus says about four times in that one passage, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Go and read John chapter 14 and it'll just jump right at you. Something very important. This is Jesus, Jesus' parting words. He's actually talking to his disciples before he goes to face the cross. He tells them, and this is just one of those passages. It says, John 14, 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Talk about God being with you. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. You want to be prosperous in 2021? Guess what? Obey. That's what you and I have to do. Obey. Obey. Let us stand to our feet as we close today. Pastor Oscar was telling me that he was preaching the shortest time, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to beat you. <laughs> he felt, I felt he threw a gauntlet before me. No, no, no. So I, I, but the message I have for you today is simple. I didn't say it was easy. It's simple. What do we do in 2021? We know that it's, it's, it, looks, it doesn't look good. It, look, it can look a little scary. But we know that God is with us. And with God, all things are possible. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of whatever situation, we have God with us and everything is possible through him. Amen? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But in order for us to be aligned with God, we need to obey what his word says. I'm going to have to go there. How many of you made resolutions for 2020? How many are you still working on 2010? <laughs> yeah? I, 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 I chose to, to lose 10 pounds for 2020. I I'm, I'm still have 20 to go. <laughs> you make resolutions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And what happens a month into the year? gone let's not make resolutions let's make commitments let's make commitments I was talking to a young man sometime back and he was telling me oh it's because sometimes I don't find the motivation to do this or the motivation to do that and I told him bro it's not about motivation it's about discipline motivation comes and goes you know I love working out sometimes I don't want to do it hope my coach is not listening to me today Sometimes I don't want to do it, but guess what? I do it anyway. It's about discipline. We want to be successful this year. We want to be prosperous. It's not about feeling motivated to read the word. It's about 
discipline. It's not about, I'm going to pray more when I feel, you know, more motivated to do that. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for some I'm going to look for some motivational phrase. Listen, if you need motivational phrases, don't do it. You need discipline. This is what we need. To obey, to listen to the word, to understand the word, to go deeper into scripture. Remember, I just said, ignorance of the law is no, no excuse. We have it. We just have to, to dive into it and study it. If we don't know what we're reading and we need somebody, guess what? Join a group. You're one of our groups. Come to the Bible studies where we're literally going systematically to every passage of Scripture. I want to close with this passage that is very well known and I think it's very applicable today. Because it goes back to obedience. It goes back to turning our ways. It's go, it goes back to coming back to what the Lord has for us. See, if you want to see revival break out in 2021, because, you know, it usually takes a very dark time when the light just shines all of a sudden. It's those dark times that make people want the light. Jesus says, be the light of the world. Be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. To this very insipid time that we're living 2 Corinthians 7.13 says this. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land and send the plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. How many of you want that? See, we certainly live in those times. What are we going to do? We can, we can go into desperation. We can do all the things we want. But as long as we're doing the same thing and we're not listening to God, we can't expect this stuff to change. We need to repent. We need to turn away from these things. We need to turn to God. Seek Him. Humble ourselves. Pray. Pray. 